0: Hi, I'm Asim Shukla. And I'm Ted Joya. And welcome to If You'll Indulge Me, a podcast about food and language. Not just because we like food, and not just because we love to talk,
1: but because so much of what we seek in food is found in the language we use to talk about
0: it. And for this first episode, we're talking about the topic that inspired us to start this podcast in the first place the language and the menu of what is undoubtedly America's greatest restaurant, the Olive Garden. And the Olive Garden so fascinates us because ever since it was founded in the early 80s, it has managed to turn Italian cooking from a neighborhoody ethnic cuisine, a popular one, into a national commercial culinary phenomenon.
1: And it was a phenomenon in the 90s. The Olive Garden is perhaps the quintessential 90s restaurant, just (laughs) unlimited carbs and commercials. But since dieting trends turned against carbs and creamy dishes in the new millennium, you know, the Olive Garden
0: started to fall in hard times. But moreover, this first topic, strangely enough, is inspired by Ted's own professional experience.
1: Yeah. I moved to San Francisco three years ago, couldn't find a job as a writer, and the Olive Garden was right next door. Had to pay rent, so walked right in, got a job, and spent the next two years of my life there. Learned a lot about life, fell in love with another waiter, the whole shebang. Yeah, I became a man at the Olive Garden.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that serendipity, ladies and gentlemen, leads us to what we have to discuss with you today.
1: Exactly. As a writer, I was always oddly fascinated by the sort of special language of the Olive Garden. It's a hilarious hotspot between pseudo-Italian and corporate marketing cliches. And the best example of this is the purpose word of the Olive Garden. Yes,
0: the Olive Garden has a purpose word. I'm so excited to hear it. The purpose
1: word of the Olive Garden is this word, hospitaliano. And they'd always ask you...
0: Hospitaliano?
1: Hospitaliano! Exclamation point. It's always one of those words of an exclamation point. And my GM would always ask me, what does it mean? And I'm like... It means nothing, <laughs> but, but he's like. It's and, in, ma- in fact, ma- there's ma- like ma- a strict three-point definition. Here, I'll, here, I brought with us the training notebook for hosts.
0: Oh, for- look at this, the host slash S training notebook. And it says, and there it is right there on the front. Hospitaliano. Our purpose at Olive Garden is hospitaliano, sure. which consists of three things. Okay. One, our passion for 100% guest delight. Two, we take pride in doing it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And three, we value everyone as family and friends. Yeah, and you know, you look at these words, none of them has anything to do with the food itself.
1: <laughs> I hadn't realized that, but yeah, you're right. I guess these could apply to anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, look at this phrase, our passion for 100% <laughs> guest delight.
1: Yeah, that could be anything. That could be, that could be Chevy's, it could be Walmart.
0: Also, we take pride in doing it right the first time. I mean, definitely more important for some businesses than for others. Right? Some businesses, when, you, when they say that, you have almost more cause to worry than if you just if they didn't say it at all.
1: And here at the nuclear airstrike team, we take pride doing it right the first time. <laughs>
0: And then finally, we value everyone as family and friends. That's a little creepy. Something, sometimes we just want it to be business. Here at the NSA, we value everyone's privacy like we would our friends and family. If only that
1: were the NSA's voice. <laughs> Hello, I'm the NSA. <laughs>
0: Hi. So, Ted, what the hell kind of company is it that talks this way about their mission?
1: I know, I know. You're probably thinking like, What company fucking writes this way? (laughs) But the the funny thing is, you know, these kinds of values are, like, totally representative of, of like, what corporate America sees. And, like, the Olive Garden is a surprisingly good example, case study, of corporate restaurants sort of in transition right now. Olive Garden was founded in Orlando in the early 80s. And almost immediately had success. Mm. But all of these kind of national casual dining chain restaurants kind of came to success at the same time. You know, Applebee's, TJF, Chili's. And they're all now uh, kind of struggling with the times and facing declining profits as customer tastes change. But surprisingly, the Olive Garden is actually the most interesting one of the group right now. It's actually, like, an interesting time for the Olive Garden. Uh, this maverick investor group called Starboard. Um, oh,
0: Starboard Value? <laughs> uh,
1: apparently you know
0: them. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're sort of this activist investor group with a stake in Yahoo. Huh. Uh,
1: interesting. But, yeah, like, a couple years ago, they were just so appalled by, like, the Darden leadership. They, like, staged this kind of corporate coup. Whoa. I know, but it was like the sexiest story of the year. Starboard came in, uh, took over the entire Darden board, and took wow. over all the operations of all the Olive Gardens after presenting this scathing 294-page po- like, PowerPoint pointing out every mistake, every idiocy, of like the Darden leadership.
0: So I took a look at this presentation, and it fixated on this one idea that somehow Olive Garden has lost its sense of authenticity.
1: Yeah, somehow they like... Trace all the problems, all the orange problems, back to that. Gotta recapture those authentic Italian roots from a suburban Orlando chain
0: restaurant? No, I mean, I I totally get what you're saying, but I think that Darden decided that authenticity is the problem, and they have to figure out a way to address it, and of course there's a number of ways you can do that. With food, with decor, with the service, but I think, perhaps most importantly, with language.
1: Huh, that is interesting. Because the professional language of the Olive Garden is marked by this kind of constant tension where they've tried to graft on some weird corporate jargon onto, like, Italian. To things like Hospitaliano. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. A, a Frankenstein of corporate impulses.
1: It's a corporate Frankenstein selling you breadsticks. But the best place to see this, this conflict between corporate and authentic language is actually on the menu. So here, here we go. Right. I'm handing a seam the menu on the cover.
0: All right, all right, let's look at this so it's it starts with well, some nice images of like a, a piazza some in some of the, one of the cleaner parts of Italy some fresh tomatoes tomato sauce some wine a bundle of spaghetti tied up in twine classic clip art Italy right classic clip art Italy
1: onto the onto the menu ah. section
0: well let's have a look uh, to look at the different sections inside this menu you have uh, at the top you have antipasti and under that zuppe insalata. And then you have cucina mia! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! As always, it
1: can it can only be exclaimed. It cannot be said.
0: No, not not a phrase like that. Cucina classica, lighter Italian fare.
1: A classic part of any Italian meal.
0: Yes, uh, one of the traditional courses. Yes. Flavorful entrees under five hundred seventy-five calories. Exactly. Okay. Pollo, chicken entrees. pesce. Fish. Uh, you're, 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 it's it's pesce Fish and seafood selection. And then carne. Beef specialties. Specialties.
1: Now you're getting to the subtitle spirit. Those beef specialties aren't gonna sell themselves. But the whole menu is this whole schizophrenic hodgepodge. They take such pains to go through each Italian formal section title: zuppa, insalata, antipasti. And then they switch to blatantly untraditional sections, like lighter Italian fare. <laughs> a section so traditional that it's in English rather than Italian. But if you thought this part of the menu was confusingly organized, just look at this.
0: Okay, well now I'm looking at the back of the menu, and it looks like at least the boozes are presented in English. So here's the wine list.
1: My single favorite section.
0: Oh, why is that? Just take a look. Like, it speaks for itself. All right. Alright, so it says... Our wines are selected from lighter to bolder to assist you in selecting a wine that best complements <laughs> your meal. It's
1: split into white and red. Good sensible. start. Yeah. But then, here are the divisions. You've got fruity and sweet, light and crisp, full and smooth. Okay. The, <laughs> the, the classic division, John, is always, you know, whatever. All right. And then for red selections, you have smooth and fruity, not to be confused with full and smooth, robust and rich, and the soft berry flavors.
0: <laughs> soft berry flavors I mean let's look at smooth and fruity because oh, that's, okay. that's that's a way to classify wine that I I will admit I've not encountered it's before. as though
1: they just picked adjectives and then they ran out of adjectives or sort of like
0: got to, we'll, got just, to re- we'll just
1: use the ones we used before you
0: know and we can combine them <laughs> uh, so smooth and fruity contains a roscotto. it's a it's like a
1: basically an alcoholic grape juice it's super sweet and bl- and chilled and like
0: Chilled red wine.
1: Yeah, it's a chilled red wine. A classic okay. chilled red wine.
0: Great. So this is described as a Rosso Dolce, comma, and italicized Italy. Italy. Okay. They're excited. They have They're excited. For... It's, it's, I'm guessing it's from Italy. It's Pinot Noir, Cavit, comma, Italy. Italy. Pinot Noir, 667 Noble Vines. No. Undesignated, undesignated location. location.
1: It doesn't matter where that's from. No.
0: I'm looking through this. The only time they tell you where it's from... Is if it's from Italy.
1: Exactly. So they're just, you know, they're excited. They have something literally from Italy. Like, this is from fucking Italy. (laughs) But this is like the quintessential all-garden menu section. Wine has to be, like, sold to you. No one could possibly just, like, want wine, but they might want a fruity and smooth beverage. And yet, simultaneously, the Darden team wants you to know that the wine, the smooth and fruity beverage you're probably not buying, is from Italy. And hence, this sort of schizophrenic feel, where the restaurant at one moment is a classy white cloth a fine dining restaurant, oh, and yeah. the other second, some cheesy overeager sorry to sample mega chain.
0: Okay, but they're not actually telling you to literally sample their wine, are they?
1: <laughs> well, actually, at the Olive Garden, another practice I've never seen is they actually have wine samples. What? So every table is supposed to be offered. Free wine samples. And so you come up to every table with a, a bottle of wine and offer them a taste of wine. There's a problem, is that most of the servers are like often like people who are underage. So they're like these like 18 year old teenagers trying to sell you wine. And so the only way they're going to do it is through these adjectives like try our fruity and smooth this. Wow. But wow. the other, the, the, the flip side of this is then there's a massive amount of alcohol waste. So something like at our restaurant Central there was like sixty six uh sixty seven percent alcohol waste.
0: Sixty seven percent
1: waste? Yes yeah, so yeah, like they could open a bottle of any bottle of alcohol and just pour out two thirds of it and then and that's how much that is wasted. you know, they just sell the other third. It's hard to imagine there's any problems with the system, but basically...
0: No, no, no. no. So let's, let's back up and, and, and try to get our heads around it. So 66% is wasted. Does that include the amount that's given as samples, or is that concluded as part of the
1: Impossible to know because it's not tracked. So it turns out that they give underage kids unsupervised, unlimited access to free wine, and, and some of it goes missing. What? Shocking.
0: You mean that... These, these minors sometimes actually walk off with the, with the restaurant's property.
1: Well, there's, yeah, they're like, some servers who would, like, literally take a bottle of wine with them every service. But, like, you know. You
0: can't trust America's 17-year-olds. <laughs> I grieve for this country.
1: I was just saying I've never been to an OG party where OG did not provide the booze. Or not...
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's on the house. But even as they're begging you to drink their wine by offering you these samples. They're also making another bid for authenticity by offering you pairing suggestions, often ad nauseum with all the dishes.
1: Just like the fine dining restaurants. And now we're back to the other side of the corporate schizophrenic identity. Everything is paired.
0: Everything is paired, everything can be paired, everything should be paired.
1: Just look at the menu insert, which has like pictures of all the dishes that are on the regular menu, just with long elaborate descriptions. (laughs) They, they took the time to slightly rewrite the same phrase for every set.
0: I know! Look at this! Northern tour of Italy. Best perfecting with uh, H3, <laughs> Columbia, West Merlot. Yes, and uh, look at this, your papardelle pescatore. It's even better with uh, Ravenswood's infandel? Has it so, ever occurred to you? Does it actually say that? It actually says, it's even better! <laughs> What is this voice? Is this, a, is this a sommelier voice? Yeah, this is a uh, simple uh,
1: <laughs> So these, these, are, these are your uh, informed sommelier classics, you know, pairing with uh, lasagna.
0: Uh, of course, of course. And you have not even heard my best recommendation yet. <laughs> the grilled salmon, complement with Saturn white simpare <laughs> A classic sommelier favorite. Why, why not? Who are you to doubt my selection? I spent 10 years at the Bose Hotel and you are here to tell me that my Sutter Home choice is not the best in the business. Out with you. The flaky goodness is complemented only by the uh, subtle sweetness of uh, uh, the white Zinfandel. But in all seriousness, as ridiculous as a suggestion of the Sutter Home white Zinfandel is, and as overblown as some of these descriptions are, like, I I get why they're doing this. This is de rigueur on, like, a nice menu.
1: Yeah, they offer wine pairings at nice restaurants.
0: Yeah, but for me, where it goes from ridiculous to absurd is when they start offering you cocktail pairings with the appetizers. So get this. Lasagna frita, Parmesan breaded lasagna, fried and served over Alfredo, (laughs) pairs with Long Island limoncello. (laughs) (laughs) They're telling you to drink a Long Island with your lasagna. Yeah, Long
1: Island, you know, not a traditional...
0: Pairing drink, but then there's like this sort of creative sampler Italiano, where it tells you to choose from calamari, stuffed mushrooms, fried zucchini, chicken fingers, fried mozzarella, or toasted beef and pork ravioli, and then it tells you that it, whatever you choose pairs with Italian margarita.
1: Who are we to say that it doesn't pair with the Italian margarita? But in their defense, all the options are fried. It's created Italian sampler, so just any of these fried options mm-hmm. will so, work.
0: So, so just oil pairs with an Italian margarita.
1: Exactly. Ah. Greece
0: pairs wonderfully
1: with the Italian margarita.
0: (laughs) And by the way, as I look at this, have you noticed that basically all the appetizers are fried?
1: (laughs) Just pick the words that have Frida in it
0: (laughs) Parmesan olive frida. This is Uh, a bite sized blend of olives and Italian cheeses rolled together and lightly fried.
1: That's the way they prepare. Vegetables in Italy. There aren't <laughs> fresh vegetables no, in Italy. No, 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 no. They're picked off of trees or out of the ground and immediately thrown the fire. And that's the only way they serve vegetables, for appetizers.
0: All of which pair with an Italian one. What does it? Okay, so let's take a moment to contextualize what all of this stuff means. Like, what all this, <laughs> what this the language. Long Island
1: Limoncello means. Yeah, all these
0: linguistic contortions. What this language says about the Olive Garden. There's this interesting contradiction between the diner's choice element and the pairing recommendations that they're giving you. The Olive Garden can't make up its mind what it wants to communicate.
1: Well, yeah, I think this tension between diner's choice and recommendations actually illuminates what place it has in American restaurant
0: culture. You know, as it turns out, Ted, you're more right than you think. There's this book called The Language of Food, A Linguist Reads the Menu by a Stanford computational linguist named Dan Jurafsky. Jurafsky talks exactly about what you can learn about a restaurant from its menu, by drawing statistical comparisons between it and a huge number of other menus. And this contrast that we were talking about between a diner's choice and a chef's choice is one of the phenomena he explores. And what he finds is that expensive or fancy restaurants tend to talk about the chef's recommendation, what the chef wants you to have. While it's the cheaper restaurants who go more on about like doing it your way.
1: Who stole the diner's choice. The
0: diner is always right, exactly. But Juraski also tells us what we can learn by the length of the menu itself. Restaurants with long menu descriptions tend to be expensive, while those with shorter ones are cheaper. In fact, for every extra letter in the description of a dish, the price goes up on average by 18 cents. But there is a subset of restaurants that have these super long descriptions, but where most of the words are not very descriptive filler words, like delicious or famous or my favorite zesty, <laughs> and so on.
1: <laughs> Does anybody ever send back a dish for not being zesty enough, sir? This dish was described to me as zested shrimp. And where <laughs> is the zest?
0: Anyway, so these restaurants that use words like this tend neither to be cheap nor particularly expensive. These restaurants tend to be, ding, 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 the big casual chain restaurants.
1: Well, there you go. We have a winner. The Pulitzer Prize for Most Elaborately Meaningless Menu Descriptions goes to Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah. I counted once, and here, here are the menu stats. Okay. 1,300 words of menu description, 159 wow. lines of menu description, and 26 words per dish on average.
0: Jesus, how do they get to this?
1: Well, there's a couple literary tricks that any college freshman trying to write a paper under a deadline knows about how to expand something very small into something very large. Number one, everything gets an adjective. Maybe even two. Two or three, even better. Preferably abstract, subjective, and completely unverifiable. (laughs) Naturally. Delicious, creamy, classic, signature. I'm doing air quotes, Our, our favorites. Who are you to say our chicken isn't tender, our minestrone isn't a vegetarian classic, or our blend of Italian cheese is not indulgent? It's indulgent for us, (laughs) goddammit!
0: Although I notice there are some that are patently false, like homemade.
1: (laughs) Yeah, by definition, the soup isn't homemade because it's made in a fucking restaurant. And the funny thing is, these adjectives are basically all the same. They're all synonyms for unprovably delicious. (laughs)
0: Okay, I get that they keep using these adjectives, but it's just one word at a time. How are they getting to this 26 words per dish that we talked about?
1: Ah, that's the question, my friend. (laughs) See, the second strategy that Olive Garden uses is that the menu employs certain sort of circuitous, long-winded formulations that sort of helpfully double the Mm. menu description length. You know, for example, all dishes are stuffed, topped, tossed. The shrimp scampi frita is tossed with garlic and white wine butter sauce. The seafood alfredo is tossed with succulent shrimps and scallops. (laughs) But moreover, all this exaggerated language basically gussies up very simple cooking processes to make them sound much more impressive and involved than they actually are. Just look at this dish. Steak gorgonzola alfredo. Grilled steak medallions over fettuccine alfredo. Tossed with gorgonzola cheese and finished with a balsamic drizzle. And sun dried tomatoes. How many steps is that? <laughs> Four steps to make this bowl of pasta?
0: I mean, there's so, there's so many of them are like this, and so, they're, they're meant to be so enticing. Baked tilapia with shrimp, delicate white fish and shrimp, baked with a white wine sauce, and served with steamed garlic broccoli. <laughs> steamed garlic broccoli. What are the classic Italian cooking my- yeah, Steamed Steamed for over 12 <laughs> hours over a Venetian canal in August who is
1: this one? is this Mario? Okay, it's
0: my Mario. <laughs> Mario my cousin Mario my cousin Mario you know no, he's a, 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 from Venice he knows <laughs> all kinds of traditional means of preparation
1: <laughs> the, tr- the traditional steamed tilapia a steamed been, <laughs>
0: baked baked tilapia. oh baked tilapia, oh, baked tilapia. Yeah. the steaming is of the, of the broccoli the garlic broccoli a traditional I,
1: I, I should have got that you it's know
0: we called little... it over a Venetian canal to let it absorb the aromas of, of, of decay for over 12
1: hours <laughs> the wonderful aromas of Venice.
0: Yes, yes. The aroma of, uh, of a northern Adriatic pond I mean,
1: <laughs> in a funny way, that voice is more accurate to what the Garden thinks Italy is. You know, it's shocking they haven't hired someone like you to, just to sell that. Decision.
0: My next job opportunity is uh, a server at the Olive Garden.
1: <laughs> but the third thing that's repeated more than anything else is the word Italian. So it's like, create a sampler Italiano.
0: There's a plate called the Tour of Italy, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it just, there's a whole brand of like these regionally named dishes. There's the citrus chicken Sorrento,
0: ah, chicken Sorrento.
1: The Calabrian chicken wings, the pork Veneto, the spicy shrimp of Vesuvio. Another classic, Vesuvius famed as its cooking techniques,
0: <laughs> a freshly basted in a lava fresh from Mount Vesuvius.
1: <laughs> yeah, like when they were at Pompeii, like right before they're gonna die, they're like. I'm going to enjoy some spicy shrimp. Like, you know, <laughs> just to sort of it. you know?
0: To... It's amazing how popular this dish will be 2,000 years from now.
1: <laughs> and then, oh, there's also the southern and the northern tour of Italy. Where northern is creamy and the southern Italy apparently is spicy. I see, I see. But And then, of course, the Sicilian cheesecake. So it's really whenever they want to have something on the menu that's just definitely not Italian. Mm. There's this wonderful magic, they're like, We'll just make it Sicilian. We might not have chicken wings, but what if they were Calabrian chicken
0: wings? Well, you haven't tried my grandma's famous Calabrian chicken wings? <laughs> you haven't tried my mama's Sicilian cheesecake? <laughs> what who are you to tell me these are not authentic dishes? <laughs> about my family. <laughs> 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 worse. not sustainable, I you know, you know, Okay. Come back out of it. So but, we, we have to limit our. Uh,
1: Don Coronel is going to limit his appearance. Maybe it,
0: perhaps a little bit in the future. This
1: is like after he's already been shot. But you know, you pull them out at the moments when you really need them. When he someone's questioning the authenticity of your cheesecake. Needs, he
0: needs to make an impact. He needs to make an impact.
1: <laughs> but the best one is that the apple Tuscan bread pudding. Tuscan is a thing in and of itself.
0: So this is their favorite. This is the favorite of all the regions.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tuscany just means nothing. It's just a picture of a beautiful winery. Tell but us. we got the Tuscan white bean hummus, the zuppa Toscan,a the steak Toscano, the chicken Toscano. And the café a la Toscana.
0: Isn't that just the coffee? Exactly. So there's nothing Tuscan or special about it.
1: There's nothing Toscano about the steak. It's a steak. But, I mean, who's to say what Toscano even means?
0: Well, Tedward, I uh, I decided actually to do some research on my own and look at, is the obsession with things Tuscan limited to this particular chain restaurant? And the answer is, it is not. Doesn't
1: surprise me. Yeah,
0: so check this out. TGIF sells a dish called the Tuscan spinach dip. Excellent. Ruby Ruby Tuesday has the Tuscan crab tilapia.
1: Uh, tilapia. Another. <laughs> is Tuscany have? is Tuscany have water in it? Like I don't. Like is it? Like is it a land famed for crabs and tilapia?
0: I don't. I also don't know how to define the dish Tuscan crab tilapia. Is it a crab tilapia? Like, <laughs> one thing that has like been metamorphosed. I feel like Ruby animal. Tuesday's
1: been like breeding some sort of super fish. It's alive. <laughs>
0: Of course, CPK has a Tuscan hummus. Of all the dishes that they choose to slap at that menu, at a pizza restaurant, is the hummus. IHOP has a Tuscan chicken griller burger, and Subway has a Tuscan chicken melt.
1: And you've missed Denny's Super Bird Tuscan sandwich. There you go. But it's just.
0: But, but yeah, like, why why Tuscany all the time in all these places?
1: Yeah, somehow Tuscany is no—it's uh, no longer a place. It's some sort of idealized state of mind. It's like the perfect vacation that, like, eat, pray, love. I I'd go to Tuscany to find myself. But it's like one of those wonderful worlds that when a word means nothing, it just has this emotional association. Then it can describe anything. Mm-hmm. Who are we to say that they don't have crab tilapia in Tuscany?
0: It's, it's a fictional place, after
1: all. Yeah, exactly. But it's like there's this well. It's easy to be cynical, but if you wanted to be, like, incredibly, wildly, flagrantly kind, you might say the adjectives are, you know,
0: aspirational. Um, that's really interesting. What would you say that they're, they're actually doing here? Are they selling something specific? Well, and it's like they're selling what
1: Italy could never actually be if you've been to Italy. Mm-hmm. It's like this whole notion that like, you would want Italian service. If you've been to Italy, they don't give a fuck. It's like, they don't care. They'll let you sit for two hours— It's the Italy that you can only find in your dreams. Hmm. And so, in a funny way, these, like, geographic adjectives are the best indication of, like, what the Olive Garden's trying to do. And what this whole language is trying to do. It's not about selling the food, but selling the vision.
0: The state of mind, if you will.
1: Yeah, so it's like, the Olive Garden's not a place, it's a state of mind.
0: And the food is almost secondary to it. There's so
1: experience. Food is merely the vehicle for the
0: vision. Well, I mean... 10. If we're saying that the food is the vehicle for the vision, and that the vision that they've laid out for themselves is one of greater authenticity, mm-hmm. and I look at the Italian margarita, and I don't think that they've quite gotten there. But, you know, in all seriousness, they, they said that it was so important to them to succeed by being authentic, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, they've gotten rid of the
1: blatantly unItalian things, the burgers, and <laughs> the tapas menu, yes. but... They're not exactly serving super Italian dishes.
0: Okay, so they're not embracing what is actually authentically Italian. So how the hell is this working out for them financially?
1: Yeah, it's actually doing pretty damn well. The last eight quarters, there's been profit growth in same restaurant sales. Their stock price has gone up by 40% since Starboard taken over. Wow. It's actually full-on renaissance. They're the model for everyone else. No kidding. And I think oddly like what has led to that is embracing inauthentic Italian food. It's the authentically inauthentic side of of Italian.
0: Which is a thing in this country.
1: I know, yeah. Yeah. Italian-American food is not Italian food. And they've embraced that in almost like in a playful way.
0: And so instead of putting in, uh, you know, spaghetti and greens, they added stuff like breadstick sandwiches. And this is a real dish, spaghetti pie. What is a spaghetti pie? (laughs) My best understanding is that they take spaghetti and they they literally, literally put it in a pie crust.
1: That's probably effective for them. Being authentically inauthentic is who they are as a restaurant. And that's not an evasion for them. That's not a fault. That's a triumph. When you have something, embrace it. And at some level, you can't change who you are. The Olive Garden will always be an Orlando chain restaurant. And there's power in that.
0: Sure. And to the extent that the Olive Garden has succeeded in finding its niche and Mm -hmm. doing well, it is very much exceptional in its sort of space of casual chain restaurants. I mean, these other guys still not doing so hot.
1: Yeah. These corporate chain restaurants are all going through an identity crisis right now. And this identity crisis is actually reflected in their advertising language. It's actually even best seen in that language. Well, I
0: mean, we're dealing with restaurants whose very essence, what they do is caught up in how they market themselves.
1: Yeah. And many of these corporate chain restaurants are changing these immortal taglines into gimmicky one-liners, often to hilarious effect.
0: Oh, so you're saying that when we look at the language of food, sometimes we also need to look at the language of desperation.
1: They're often one and the same. (laughs) Here, let's take a look. So here's what TGIF did. It used to be, everyone looks forward to Fridays. All right. Now, it's... In here, it's always Friday.
0: That's incredibly dystopian. <laughs>
1: it's like no exit. There is no escape.
0: It's like Groundhog Day. Every day, it's fucking Friday, day after day.
1: <laughs> Sartre meets Bill Murray. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and but that's it all. Applebee's just changed their corporate slogan. So before... Eating Good in the Neighborhood.
0: We all remember that one.
1: Solid. Yes. Solid.
0: Doesn't really say anything, but it runs. Well, yeah,
1: it, it, it it's, it's a nice little jingle. It's got a good feel to it. And here, here's the new one. See you tomorrow.
0: What? <laughs> see you tomorrow? That's their corporate slogan? <laughs> it's, like,
1: it's like they've gone from the nice neighborhood restaurant to like the neighborhood stalker. Like You won't see me, but I see you. And the OG also falls in line with this. Like before, the Olive Garden's motto was, when you're here, you're family. When you're here, you're family. (laughs) And now, it's, we're all family here.
0: We're all family (laughs) here. I feel somehow that the second one is more sinister. Yeah. Sometimes these
1: corporate restaurants misunderstand the suggestive power of a transformative motto. Yeah. And if there was a final crowning glory on the Olive Garden's renaissance, I think it would be kind of changing back their motto to the when you're here, your family. And there's some things you just don't change. Like, you don't change the Lord's Prayer just to meet the times.
0: Give us this day our daily breadsticks. Forgive us our microaggressions
1: <laughs> and those who microaggress against us. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow that feels like less powerful. Yes, yes. It does. And that's it. And that's it. That's our melodramatic conclusion.
0: That's our melodramatic conclusion. Thank you everyone for joining us on our first episode of If You Will Indulge Me. And boy, have we indulged. We've indulged.
1: And hopefully you'll consider indulging us next time. I'm out. Ted? you out. See you out. Ted out. you out. Ted out. I shouldn't be saying you out. I should probably say my name. <laughs>
0: Well, you could say it was a good cue. It was our first time. Okay, our first time. We're still working on the, the, the out-proceduring. The out yes. But, uh,